Did you know Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in the U.S. with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers in the U.S.? They have everything you could possibly want, like fruit trees, palm trees, evergreens, houseplants, and so much more. Whatever you're interested in, they have it for you. Find the perfect fit for your climate and space. Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online, and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever. This spring, they have the best deals online, up to half off on select plants and other deals. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code POOL at checkout. That's an additional 15% off at FastGrowingTrees.com using the code POOL at checkout. FastGrowingTrees.com, code POOL. Offer is valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. Make sure to go to TimCast.com, click join us and become a member to support this podcast and all the work we do, and you'll get access to exclusive uncensored segments from TimCast IRL and way more. Now, let's jump into the first story. Militias in the middle of Lyon. No, they're not militias. They're protests. Protests in France over immigration. Now, we've seen this over the past decade or so, and there have been many protests. Well, let me just say France and protests like bread and butter. So no one's really surprised when there are protests. But you combine this with the victories of right wing parties, anti-immigration parties, as well as the riots in Dublin and the news coming out around this. And uh, it's looking like a trend. So the other day we talked quite a bit about what was going on in France and in Dublin. And we have some updates because the media is oh so angry about this. The narratives don't fly anymore. They're trying to claim it's the far right. But I've got some stats for you. When you see the quote unquote far right becoming the plurality and uh, becoming large portions of the populations uh, of their of popular sentiment, you cannot call them fringe or far right anymore, can you? That's the goal of the far left. That's what we see in the United States. And that's what the far left has done. They try to argue every day that they are centrists. I kid you not. I was talking to a dude I know who's a socialist. And he said that I was far right and he was a centrist. That's the game they're trying to play. But let me just uh, explain this. And then we'll talk about what's happening with these anti-immigration protests happening in France and what's going on with Dublin. I think when you look at the, st- the, the stats, let me just pull this up, where Europe's far right has gained ground. When you can see that 59%, 35%, 30 when you look at these countries, how can you call them far right? If in some instances, they're the majority of the population, they wouldn't be far anything unless by your standards. And this is what we have. What we learn from all of this is that the American corporate press and European press are actually far left. Why? If you are calling the majority and the plurality, if you are calling popular sentiment fringe, it's actually just a representation of who you are and how far away you are from everyone else. About uh, what are we looking at? Uh, five years ago, there was this data that came out we covered showing that woke progressivism made up about eight to 10 percent of the U.S. population. That means if you are woke, you are as far left as possible 
in this country. Yet they would call moderates far right. And they have a disproportionate amount of access to media. And we're going to break that all down right now. For those that are concerned about immigration, this is very, very good news. It would have been things were way different several years ago, way, way different. But let's first start with what's going on in France, because this has been ongoing. This is from actu.fr. Now, the surprising thing is I've got videos of the marches happening in France. The fascinating thing, it is very, very difficult to find any news reporting on it. Now, when you pull up protests against immigration bill from several months ago, news outlets have been writing about it. But now that you have this story where an immigrant is accused of stabbing and killing a white teenager and saying that they were there, they were there to stab white people. And you have protests over this media's mum. When it was right wing groups protesting laws, they all write about it. When an immigrant is accused of killing a teenager before being white, the media shuts up. This is what this is the game they play. They don't want people to know what's actually going on. So let me just say what I do. Look, what happens happens. And I've always felt this. If an immigrant kills a white kid for being white, the people should know about it. I think it's important to say one one story right here in and of itself does not warrant, I would I would argue, mass political changes. However, one story combined with stats and dozens of other stories. Now you've got a pattern. And if people are looking at that and they're saying, OK, maybe we should consider some restrictions. That's on the people of France and not on me. But this is the game they play in the United States with the election integrity. Uh, what is it? The EIC Election Integrity Commission or whatever or was it EIP and the federal government. Me simply telling you a thing they have to try and shut down. The media is not supposed to report on things that could change public sentiment in a direction the powers that be do not like. Now, this story that I have pulled up for you is French and it was translated to English. So probably something's lost in translation. But here's what they say. Militias in the middle of line. I just want to point out. uh, No, not a militia. Come to the United States. We'll talk about militias. Far right activists demonstrated in the streets of line on Monday, despite the prefecture's ban on demanding justice for Thomas. There were eight arrests. That's right. The story is uh, an immigrant showed up to a party. I believe it was several said they were there to stab white people, stabbed people and killed a teenager. And according to this report, they had a ban on these protests. You're not allowed to protest, they say. Over 100 far right activists demonstrated in the streets of Lyon Monday evening, despite a prefectural ban for claim justice for Thomas, the 16 year old teenager killed by a stabbing at a village party in Drum. Between 100 and 150 people gathered in city center in the first and second, I don't know, arrondissement. Is that a district? According to the Rhone Prefecture, the procession paraded shortly before 8 p.m. on Place de Tarot. Jacobins and is that, is that what it says? You really Jacobins? And in the shopping artery du uh, Rue de la République, route uh, Republic. Justice for Thomas, Islam outside of Europe, immigration kills. You could read on banners and slogans. French, wake up, you're at home. Also chanted the ultra right members. Oh, yeah, ultra right. The rally was called by a group. Les Remparts, elected officials and activists of Reconquest, the party of Eric Zemmour. So here are some of the videos we have. Actually, I have this uh, uh, tweet from Andy No. He says, following the stabbing murder of a French teen allegedly by Algerian youths in a southern French village, 
protesters gathered in Lyon to protest against immigration and Islam. Here they shout, French, wake up. This is your home here. Now, I did mention this a little bit yesterday, but I, I want to make sure it's, it's, it's in this context. Okay. In the United States, you have the far left claiming that they're supporting indigenous rights. You have pro-Palestine activists saying the people of Palestine are the true owners of the land and Palestine shall be free. It's like, okay, shall France be free? It, it, no, honest question. Okay. If the people who are coming to France are not the original landowners and they're killing people, wow. The far left must view the Algerians accused of killing these teens the same as they view the Israelis. What's that? They don't? Well, gee, gee whiz, gee golly, what could that possibly mean? Why is it that in the United States, they say they're for indigenous people's rights? In Canada, they say First Nations people, and they defend their rights. And then when it comes to Europe, it's the inverse. Pro-immigration. Well, hold on. Now, hold on there a minute. These people in, Fr in France that are protesting are the indigenous population who are upset they are facing what they would describe as active colonization. In which case, wouldn't the left be in favor of what these people are protesting and calling for an end to colonization? Hmm. The reality is these people don't really care about any of the ideology they claim to care about. And this is proof. What they care about is attacking white cis heteronormative patriarchy. There's a viral video, it's quite humorous, of a trans non-binary person I believe it's a female with male hormones and a mastectomy saying that they're reading the Quran and it's so amazing how, how much Islam really helps them understand the world. It's just fascinating. Anything that opposes white Christian culture, that's the real issue. And you know what? I got no problem if they want to say that. That's fine. Just say it. Which brings us to where things are getting really interesting. Let me play some of these videos for you. I think that's only fair so that you can get a general understanding. If you speak French, here we go. Loud, angry individuals. And it's only going to get bigger because a kid died. It's only going to get bigger. But first, let's talk about the stats. Where Europe's far right has gained ground, one of the things I find really fascinating is the Swedish, the Sweden, uh, Swedish Democrats. This group, it's really, really funny. The Swedish Democrats are basically like center left by American standards, but they're anti-immigration and anti-Islam. So they're called far right. How does that make sense? Right. We had a caller last night who said, if you're for free market capitalism, they're going to call you far right. And I said, no, that's incorrect. If you are a free market capitalist, who believes in, uh, you know, that the companies can do whatever they want, but you support Islam, you support trans, uh, transgenderism and things like this, they will call you left. Have you seen the price of gold lately? It's hitting all time highs. And when it comes to investing in gold, check out Noble Gold Investments. They have a track record of excellence that's second to none. Just look at their thousands of five star reviews on Trustpilot, Google and the Better Business Bureau. Customers rave about their knowledgeable staff, smooth investment process, and life-changing results, which you can see for yourself online. That's the kind of reputation you can count on. But it's not just about the reviews. Noble Gold Investments truly care about their clients. They take the time to understand your unique needs and goals, and they give expert guidance every step of the way. That level of personalized service is rare in this industry. 
Look, when it comes to securing your financial future, you can't afford to take chances. Go with the gold company that has earned the trust of countless investors. Visit noblegoldinvestments.com slash Tim Pool today and discover why Noble Gold Investments is the only choice for smart, secure gold investments. Or call them at 877-646-5347. Again, that's 877-646-5347. There you go. You can be a communist and, and, and say you don't care for the gender ideology and you don't like Islam, and they will call you MAGA or right wing. Uh-huh. That's the funny way this works, isn't it? Now, I do find this fascinating. You can see, of course, Eastern Europe, Italy is not surprising to see that you have the rise of, uh, uh, of this political uh, party. And Lampedusa, this island, has, I believe it's now more illegal immigrant than actual resident of the island. That's colonization. That's it. You're done. Your way of life is gone. I love it. You get these people talking about uh, all the, the, the European uh, conquistadors, the Spanish conquistadors, and the colonizers came and they disrupted the way of, of life for the Native Americans. And aren't you mad? And it's like, yeah, yeah, we are. We, we recognize those things were pretty bad. And that's why we don't want them to happen again to us. Here's what I find fascinating. The, play, the place that this is going. Europe's far right populists buoyed by Wilders win in the Netherlands, hoping the best is yet to come. That's right. If ever the hard right in Europe needed a set of jumper cables to rev up their electrical engine again in the wake of last month's major setback in Poland, Geert Wilders in the Netherlands provided it. No, no, no. Hold on. If the dude's winning, it looks like they've had momentum already. So they don't need anything to rev their engines up. The dude won. I don't know what else to tell you. Congratulations rolled in Thursday from all sides where the far right holds some sway on the continent after anti-Islam firebrand Wilders scored an election victory as unexpected as it was massive. His party more than doubled in size in parliament to tower over mainstream parties that long specialized in marginalizing him. Suddenly on Thursday, there was hope in the air again for nationalist conservative populists, especially with an European parliament election coming up in June. You want to know why this is fascinating? Nationalist conservative populists. Well, that's weird. Why aren't they saying white nationalists? Why are they saying nationalist populists. The language is is changing. This is what I brought up yesterday, and it's a good point. Danny Polishuk said, as soon as Elon buys Twitter, people said men aren't women. I want you to understand the way culture was being shaped. We are winning. We are, we are forwarding the line. It does not mean we own the battlefield. It does not mean we've scored a touchdown. We are forwarding the line. We have begun to gain ground and significantly. Six years ago, you could not have these stories calling calling groups marching against immigration, calling for the ban of mosques. They would say fascist, neo-Nazi, white nationalists. Some still are, of course. But that language is starting to fade out. Why? These corporations, these companies just want to make money. And when they start to see the majority population or day by day, the average person says no to the far left policies, they know who butters their bread. And that's changing everything. So when we do a culture war episode, the culture war podcast, Friday mornings, 10 a.m. on Tenant Media, and I bring in a pro athlete or whatever, it's fascinating. What I hear is, I used to hear this. 
I've talked to pro athletes and I'd say like, I'll put it this way. I'm a, I'm, I'm a skateboarder. I've got some, some pretty good clips people are, are rather enjoying. And people, uh, pro skaters have hit me up being like, I'm a big fan. I love what you do, but I can't speak out because I'll lose my job. I'll lose everything. And I'm like, well, that's, that's, that's a damn shame. Because the only way to reverse this is if you do speak out and speak up and shift the narrative. And now what are we starting to see? More and more pro athletes, cultural figures are speaking up and speaking out and saying, shut up, dude. We just don't care anymore. Now, it is not necessarily that the bravery of these individuals is paving the way for more people to speak up. It is true for some people who are speaking up very early on and they lost their jobs and they were banned because of it. But because of those who paved their own path through the wilderness, others can follow that road with ease and without fear. And what we're seeing now more and more people are able to speak up and say, you know, I have very serious concerns about unfettered, unchecked immigration. What's happening in Europe, if we don't get a hold on this immigration at the southern border, it's going to come to here. Some people have said if it can happen in Europe, it can happen here. No, it is happening in Europe. It will happen here. Here we go from Financial Times. The far right is moving into Europe's mainstream. I'm sorry. I just want to point this out again. Uh, if you make up the majority you are not far right. You're the majority. You're the average. You can go. And and that's the point I made the other day. You can go much further right than anything we've seen. Let me show you some stories. I think it's here. Look at this. France's anti-immigration far right gets boost from riots over police killing of teen. This is from uh, July 12th. We've been seeing more and more of the sentiment. But I, I do have some stories. Swedish prime minister rebukes far right leader who said mosques should be flattened. Now, I don't trust I don't trust their uh, uh, phrasing. For all we know, this guy did not say that, but maybe he did. Swedish prime minister Ulf Kristersson has condemned far right Sweden Democrats leader Jimmy Atkinson for saying mosques should be demolished, calling the statement disrespectful. Mm. Atkinson came under fire on Saturday for saying that Sweden should ban the establishment of new mosques while suggesting it should also demolish existing ones in the country. We also need to start confiscating and demolishing mosque buildings where anti-democratic, anti-Swedish, homophobic, anti-Semitic propaganda or general disinformation about Swedish society is spreading. Ah, very different. They want to make it seem like this guy came out and just said, destroy mosques. What he said was where anti-democratic, anti-Swedish, homophobic and anti-Semitic propaganda. Now, this is the funny thing. Wait, what? This guy's targeting conservative, conservative religious institutions. Ah, it's anti-Islam. Yes, but he's specific in what he's calling for. Demolishing mosques where they're engaged in. And effectively, what he would say is anti, anti-Swedish uh, uh, propaganda. It's very specific. I don't, I don't agree. I think people have a right to free speech and you're allowed to, to say what you want to say. It's a bit different from him just saying flatten mosques. But... The sentiment is on the rise. And it I believe if we do not get a hold on immigration, we will see not the same thing. I don't think, you know, as a, I, don't, I don't think it'll be Islam, but we have very serious problems with border security. There's a story I think it was out of Arizona. A bunch of illegal immigrants kept crossing this guy's property. Eventually, he shot and killed some. He's been arrested. Now, why would he do that? I think there's a reasonable and I, I think the reasonable and simple uh, solution is 
This guy felt threatened for some reason by these particular migrants that he opened fire on. He was on his own property defending his land from what he perceived to be a threat. It's possible. He was sick and tired of the non-citizens entering his property. And so he just opened fire. I don't see that as being realistic there. It's not. I just don't see it as being realistic. I think the simple solution would be he was threatened. These are these are uh, cartels, smugglers and human traffickers. Not all of them, but many of them. Something happened. But you know what? He's in jail. They're trying to lock him up. This is what you get from the media machine. The crazy thing to me are these videos in the United States of the federal government breaking the law. It's crazy. Texas got an injunction because they put up razor wire to block illegal immigrants. And the federal government snips the razor wire and lifts it up to allow non-citizens into the country. How is this happening? Well, I'll tell you what's going to happen. You are going to get massive protests like this. It's, it's just going to keep happening. You've got to, I mean, we've had these protests for some time. This is from October. Protesters take to the streets of Paris against immigration law and housing crisis. France faces deteriorating situation where working classes are most affected by housing crisis. And they keep letting non-citizens in. Eventually, it all comes crumbling down. Conor McGregor has been speaking up about this. They claim far-right looting. Do we have this? Uh, here we go. How the rise of the far-right in Ireland provoked the Dublin riots. And some of the reporting is trying to suggest that the looting was from the people who are opposing immigration. It's not. Conor McGregor tweets, deplorable. We stand with Irish businesses. Criminal migrants taking full advantage of the protests in Dublin. And you have uh, this post from Conor McGregor. Despicable scenes last night in Dublin city center. People looting shops amidst the anger and rage Ireland has for the many failed policies of the government. Has the regime ever had even one successful policy? Health services in shambles. Abominable, abominable housing crisis. Is that the right word? Immigration wide open. Climate hypocrisy rubbed in our faces. Danger on our streets crime at an all time high. Can we point to any successes? And you have people who now here's the interesting thing. This is where things I think can start to get dangerous. Two men seen in photos looting, not white. These people could have been born in Ireland just because they're not white does not mean they are immigrants. The assumption is it is non-native Irish who are doing the looting. And what's going to start to happen is with the Washington Post pushing their lies where they said, they, they claimed it was an immigrant, but it turns out it was a citizen who had lived there for 20 years. And everyone's like, wait, 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 he's 50, but he only lived there for 20 years. So he's an immigrant. You see what they're doing. Eventually, what's going to happen? And this has already happened in Sweden. People who are born in these places from immigrants are going to be viewed as outsiders and immigrants. That's Sweden. And this is where bad things happen, because what do you do for a person who is born in your country, but is not like native, indigenous, Irish or Swedish problems happen. In Sweden, they say the immigrants are causing all this crime. Fascinating thing I learned. They're not. Swedish citizens were causing the crime. That's right. People who were born in Sweden and were Swedish, but whose parents came from Somalia or other countries. And therein lies the big challenge. Recession and inflation are here. Gas, housing, and everyday goods are up, way up. 
and you want to be ready for any situation. So what would you do if there's no food on the shelf? Ark Heirloom Seeds are here to help. Did you know 99% of seeds sold today can't reproduce? With Heirloom Seeds, you only have to plant once. Then you can grow year after year, giving you and your family stability and security because things are getting crazy out there. Our all-in-one seed kit provides everything you need to grow your own food. This premium seed kit has over 65 varieties, 50,000 seeds in stores for 15 years. You'll also get our exclusive seed guide to make growing a no-brainer. Arc Seed Kits is a family-owned and operated business and the most trusted name in the nation for over 15 years. Our mandate is to get heirloom seeds into every home in America. Go to arcseedkits.com today and get free shipping by entering promo code podcast. That's arkseedkits.com, promo code podcast. Get your seeds, get prepared, get growing. arcseedkits.com. These young men are treated like immigrants in the press and in Swedish society, but they can't go anywhere else because they're not from anywhere else. This is the problem being caused by these failed policies. Hey, I love legal immigration. I really do. You can be a black man and be Irish. You, in fact, can. Because you there. Listen, there are a lot of people who are going to make arguments about uh, chain migration and things like this. But, but I want to I want to make sure we're clear here. There are people in Britain who are black and whose families have been there for hundreds of years. And if you're like eighth or ninth generation black uh, British, it is unfair to say you're not. Now, of course, I understand when people are talking about ethnically British, there's a difference, right? They're white. But I want to make sure we're careful on this. We don't want to enter a world where just because you look a certain way, you're, you, you are presumed to have no rights. And, and the answer to this is you can't have unchecked migration the way Italy, uh, the way, Italy, the way uh, France, the way Ireland is handling it. You cannot just bus uh, foreign uh, workers and, and, and fighting age males, military age males into the country lest you end up with race conflict. It's the warning I've made several years ago. In the United States, if they keep going this route of attacking white people, insulting white people, blaming whiteness, there are these videos of these women on TikTok just spewing racial slurs. They're disgusting people. Disgusting. Oh, did we get a video going? <laughs> I think Twitter just decided they were going to start playing uh, the Andy No video again. Well, here's my point. If these, if young white men just want to be left alone, just want to play video games, want to live a life, be happy, but they go on TikTok, they go on Instagram, and what do they hear? Insul- insults based on their race. You will be dealing with majority populations in these country, countries that are going to say, fine, so be it. I'm, I come from a mixed race family. You want to know why I hate the left, the woke left? Because they're racial identitarians. In their world, I'm a second class citizen. And that's why I bring it up. In their world, my parents would never have gotten together. Derek Bell, one of the founding fathers of critical race theory, thought that schools should remain segregated. And the critical race theorists in the woke still maintain this position. In 1967, the Supreme Court ruled that it was unconstitutional to bar people of different races from cohabitating, marrying, and having kids. Believe it or not, in most of the country, it was illegal. If you were white and your wife was black, you could not share a home. And your children were insulted and mocked. You were insulted and mocked both. It's crazy. Crazy to think about, right? I mean, come on. 
I know a lot of people, you know, don't like the mixed race commercials and they complain about it. But even when it comes to trans individuals, the overwhelming majority of people on the right are not going to insult, bother, belittle a person simply on the basis of being trans when they see them in public. Now, they may express their opinions online in a general sense, and they may be mocking or insulting. But for the most part, even Ben Shapiro says if he saw Blair White in public, he would use she, her pronouns because it's just too complicated to try and explain to someone that Blair White is biologically male. So for the sake of simplicity, but in writings online in the general or academic sense, Ben says he will use he, him pronouns. It's a complicated process. It is. But the average conservative is going to be like, dude, whatever, man, live your life. I don't like it. I'll speak up against it, but I'm not going to bother you. You can do your thing. Where we don't want to go is where you box people into a corner, beat them down, insulting them, being racist until they finally say, OK, that's it. It's time to enforce. It's time to begin enforcing our, our, our moral laws. It's time to bring back some kind of Christian moral framework hard into the law. And that's a reality, I think, is, you know, I don't know if classical liberalism can maintain the system because classical liberalism operates under the presumption that others are operating in good faith with their differing views. And when we say live and let live, you believe that these individuals will return the favor. But it, can only, go, it only goes so far until eventually you end up with the woke left demanding racial segregation. And they are insulting people based on race. They do it every day and then trying to literally just attack and, and get people fired based on their race. In the UK, they have something called BAME, Black, Asian, Minority, Ethnic. That means jobs will say BAME only. You want to apply for a job and you're a native Brit? Nope. Now, here's the crazy thing. What if you're a ninth generation black British citizen? Your family is there for whatever reason. Maybe it was slavery. Maybe it wasn't. Maybe it was colonization. And then people came. You have known nothing but being British. Your parents know nothing but being British. Their grandparents know nothing but being British. And now all of a sudden, you've got this conflict between races. And you and your friends are like, bro, we're all British. We grew up here. Yeah. So here's here's my warning. Eventually, you will end up with race riots. And I think we probably already did with Black Lives Matter. You can call it that. And when I when I when I bring this up to the woke left, they act like it's so shocking. It's so shocking to think it's going to be really interesting when you as a white liberal go to one of these BLM rallies and you get attacked for it. It's already happened. Friends of mine, far left, no longer said that they went to these rallies and they were attacked for being white. They were told F off white, white bitch, things like that. When I went to Milwaukee and I was just filming, you had black people screaming, get the white people. And I'm like, wow, man, that's crazy. There are videos of this. An 18 year old white kid took a 22 to the neck in one of these protests. I hate to see it, man. I really do think it's great if we can all learn to live together. But the left, the policies they're engaging in, they're basically pitting race against race because they're racist and it's what they want. People are starting to push back. And I hope the end result is a more classically liberal but strong nationalist system that we see in Europe where they just say immigration's fine if controlled properly. Criminals must be held accountable. And we put an end to these far left policies. We'll see, man. This is going to keep happening, and I think we're going to see more. I'll leave it there. Next segment is coming up at 1 p.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out, and I'll see you all then.
We all know about what's going on in Europe with the allegations that migrants were targeting white people. Riots and protests are erupting. Immigration being called into question here in the United States. We have it in many ways equally as bad or maybe even worse. In this story from ABC 7, Chicago migrants state to fund Brighton Park migrant camp brick and mortar site in Little Village. Wow. Alex Jones was right. (laughs) Man, it's kind of crazy to be uh, here in 2023. I remember back some like 14, 15 years ago. I can't remember the exact conversation, but uh, Alex Jones was talking about repurposing old industrial sites and using them as camps to hold large groups of people. Now, I don't know exactly who said it. It's been way too long. But part of the conversation was, the government would round up migrants and put them in these facilities. Something like that. It, may, it wasn't like this, the conspiracy, the government's coming for you. It was like, they're going to be building these facilities and they're going to be putting these migrants in something like that. I don't know if it was Alex Jones who explicitly said it would be migrants, but I do know that he talked about the building of camps, the existence of camps. And uh, it's been too long. Look, some of the conversation may have been kooky or whatever, but it is funny to see. We're at this point now. Where in Chicago, it's not just a tent city. I mean, when I first heard they were building a camp for illegal immigrants because of the, the sheer uh, amount that are pouring into the border, the narrative was that they would create a site where illegal immigrants could pop tents and sleep. No, no, they're building brick and mortar sites in Little Village and uh, 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 camp in Brighton Park. This is bonkers. Y'all need to, 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 this is huge. Look at this. Work is underway at the tent city site in Brighton Park neighborhood, November 27th. Chicago just got snow. Your tax dollars, your resources, your homes, they are using your money and your community to build camps for non-citizens. This is insane. I think it's all crumbling, man. I think the night is always darkest before the dawn. These systems cannot sustain themselves. I I, want to clarify, too. There's so many people who say we're not winning. It's frustrating. This system that they've built, these the, the open borders people, it's unsustainable. It is falling apart. You cannot sustain mass migration at this level when you're doing things like this. And it's I think it's a reality with the protests in Europe, the polling of Donald Trump. I love it. NBC News is like, do people really want draconian anti-immigration measures? Oh, boy. I would not be surprised if we see a major swing in Chicago for Donald Trump. Why? Because the people who live in Chicago have been protesting. And I'm talking about everybody, even the black community have been protesting, saying, get these people out of our schools, out of our neighborhoods. Why are they being brought here? Well, I got news for you, everybody. They're building these camps. Now, now, you know, there is a very light definition of concentration camp, but these don't qualify. The very light definition is when there is a facility where they concentrate national ethnic minorities. And um, the general definition is, is usually something like people are forced into a camp. And basically, you're not allowed to leave. That, that is the, 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 the fair definition. So in Australia, started rounding up people who uh, were suspected of having COVID and detaining them in large camps. 
Those were quite literally concentration camps. The issue, though, is most people take concentration camp as a phrase to reference World War II. So we try to be careful here. But this is what they're doing. They are taking all of the non-citizens and putting them in these camps. I mean, this is nuts. You're going to love this one. Chicago reports. I'm sorry, ABC7 reports from Chicago. A biting winter. Wind shears right through the gaping holes of plastic draped together in the form of some sort of habitat. The frigid air. Oh, you know what? I'm just I always got to call this out. I always got to call this out. Shut your mouths. OK, who wrote this? Diane Patho, Michelle Galando and Liz Nagy. Get rid. I just I hate this more than anything. When they start a story with it was a dark and stormy night, the cold wind blowing. I don't care. Tell me what's happening. They say the frigid air is entirely unfamiliar to men like Nelson from Honduras. How about this? You start your news story with news. A camp is being built as bitter winds are tearing through Chicago, causing problems for migrants. Honduran migrants are not used to this frigid air. They say, and yet for hundreds of men and women like him, Solertos, Solertos, as they're called, singles who arrived alone from the border, the cold is inescapable. We tremble from the cold. I don't have anything, Nelson said. I would like to go back to Honduras because this didn't serve me in any way. I came here and I am living worse than I did in my home country. Well, surprise, surprise. This is. I'm going to say this, okay, to everybody. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. These leftists, these open borders types who are advocating these people come, they are condemning them. They are evil. The children who die on the border, who die in the desert, and the migrants who make it here and suffer because it is not, it is harsh conditions. I remember when I went to France, I think uh, I went, we went all over Europe covering the migrant crisis several years, several years ago. And I went to one refugee camp and the men outside said, we were lied to. We don't want to be here. Then why are you there? Who is convincing these people to come to places that are inhospitable? Cold winters. Yo, if you're going to be homeless, you don't want to come to Chicago. I'm surprised, though. They got you got a lot of homeless in Chicago, believe it or not, even when it's horrifying. And you know, the scary thing is you know, the really horrifying thing is about Chicago when the winters are really, really bad and you have the homeless and then they don't wake up and people will be walking down the streets and there's a dead, frozen to death homeless person. I mean, this stuff's nasty. This is crazy stuff. Their best hope is hand warmer deliveries and wellness checks from volunteers. The fact that there was not a shelter space available for people who in some districts have been waiting months, stuck while families come and go. Single men, single women continue to be there. It really leaves them in a place of significant injustice and inequity. I'm just so fed up, dude. They are stripping us of our hard work and resources to give to people who don't want to be here in the first place. They are intentionally destroying everything around us. They are building camps in Chicago for people who don't want to be there. Instead of doing that, buy them a plane ticket home. Meanwhile, 
Despite a pending lawsuit and months of backlash, truckloads of gravel are starting to arrive at the lot at 38th in California to finally begin building the long discussed winterized tent for a base camp that could temporarily house up to 2000 migrants, non-citizens who came here illegally and your money's paying for it. And even they don't want to be here. There was a lot of activity on the Brighton Park lot on Monday, but no construction work as of yet. Both the city and state told ABC7 that despite delays related to environmental concerns, they hope to begin work at 38th in California and on a second brick and mortar site in Little Village later this week. It's not the ideal, but it's better than outside today in the cold. I just, you know, look, these construction workers, they should not receive any service. They should be barred, banned from any business and polite study. It's time. It's time. It's time to go full cancel culture, baby. Not really. I love when the left is like, I thought you were opposed to cancel culture, Tim. Cancel culture. What I'm opposed to is when you like destroy a man's life because he made a joke or his dad said something in the 80s. You fire someone for having naughty opinions. Okay. What I'm talking about is men who are working in service to non-citizens to use our taxpayer dollars, I don't live in Chicago anymore, to build housing for non-citizens who broke the law to be a criminal immigrants. So these guys who work construction, it's their fault. If the government of Chicago, the state, the city, they came to, a, to any construction company and said, we want you to build migrant crisis centers. And they said, no way. We've got way too many people coming here from outside the country illegally. And I'm not going to accept blood money. That's what it is. These people are evil. I'm sorry. I just have to say it. the construction workers. These are my these are my positions. I hold them on everything. And some people are like, that's not fair, Tim. When I blame cops, when I criticize police, when I criticize these institutions, let me tell you, if these men who worked construction had a shred of decency, they would stand for their communities, but they don't. Now, I can't blame them. It's individually or personally. It's not so simple. It is a corrupt culture and you know it. It is a culture that says I'll take the money stripped from your pocket to fund the people who came here illegally criminal. I think it's criminal. It is disgusting. So I've got a map for you. Here, here, here's the other story from the Tribune. Construction on Brighton Park migrant camp to begin with state involvement this week, despite aldermanic opposition. OK, aldermanic. I love that word. Sure. Neighborhoods in Chicago have their own elected leaders called aldermen because uh, it's really interesting. Chicago basically started absorbing all of these little smaller towns. So Chicago, like many cities, have different areas. And it's fascinating. If you go back and look at the history, they were all little towns that were far away from each other. So they have leaders, aldermen. You elect them. And they're saying, stop, we don't want this. And these construction workers, these men, these sick, disgusting and depraved individuals show up and go, duh, don't know, don't care. I absolutely find this so disgusting. And I always, always blame the individual. When you get a group of people who are hired to build a camp for migrants using taxpayer dollars and they don't care, that is the system of evil in operation. If Mayor Bill de Blasio in, in, in New York, back when he was mayor, he goes to these, these companies and says, I want to paint Black Lives Matter in front of Trump Tower using taxpayer dollars. And then I want I want beat cops to stand guard. It's the individuals who are to blame each 
and every single one. You know why? A man screaming in his office at the taxpayer fund, a painting in a street, is just a man screaming in his office. It is, in fact, those who are willing to carry out the evil that are to blame. I reject this authoritarian hierarchical perspective of I just blame the politicians and the leaders. You get these politicians because I've had them on Timcast IRL and they're like, I don't blame the police. It's 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 the mayor who's at fault. No, it isn't. It's that single thirty five thousand dollar a year cop who's to blame. If I came to you and I said, I want you to spit in the face of your neighbor and I'll pay you to do it. Would you do it? These are the guys who will. These construction workers, they're the guys who will. They're the depraved scumbags with smiles on their faces who take a dump on your kitchen floor and laugh about it because someone paid them to do it. They don't care. They have no honor, no loyalty, no integrity. And don't give me that. Yeah, but they need the job to feed their families. Okay, look, man, the root of corruption. Everybody's trying to make the lives of their uh, uh, friends and family better. So what does corruption serve? Why do you think it is that powerful politicians want to game the system and make money off stocks? Well, they're going to buy their mama house. They're going to take care of their brothers and sisters. Look at Joe Biden. Corruption. He gives his kid a good job off of your back, stealing your money and selling you out. And we can sit here and say, oh, Joe Biden, he's the top of the top, right? His family, his brother, his son, they're getting money from all of this stuff. That's what corruption is. Joe Biden saying, I don't care about you. I don't care about your hard work. I will gut your system and the future for your children to benefit my family. How is that any different from these construction workers doing the exact same thing? Stripping your tax dollars. You know, if someone comes to you and robs your wallet, robs your purse, turns around and goes to these guys and says, here's some money, build a camp for the non-citizens. How is that justifiable? How is that not corruption? You tell me. Because the workers don't know. They don't know. They're ignorant to this. They're just being handed money. Oh, oh, oh. I don't accept it. You take responsibility for the actions you take. I do not accept the we must tolerate the banality of evil. Now, you want to go far with it and be more libertarian and say taxation outright is theft, then you have to agree. And you probably do. The government taking money in the form of taxes from anybody is theft and therefore giving it to anybody else is theft. I do think it's funny. There are a lot of uh, libertarians who are open borders, but uh, I'm not a taxation is theft guy. I'm really not. I have no problem with taxes. I have a problem with taxes being spent on garbage. I have a problem with government corruption. And thus, it is very difficult to implement a functional system of taxation. Fair point. But I believe the system itself can function. I have no problem with being like, you know, there are some commons in public spaces. I'm not a staunch libertarian or anarchist or anything like that. But I will tell you this. The people who live here have rejected the non-citizens. And the state does not care. The people who don't live in the cities who vote against this are having their money taken from their pockets by the state and given to to dishonorable men who laugh as they're given your money the value of your labor to build housing for people who are not citizens, who will be given more resources off of your back. How amazing is that? 
This is where we currently are. Democratic cities brace for nightmare winter housing, uh, nightmare winter housing migrants. As the temperatures start to drop, it's crucial now more than ever. The federal government finished the job they started. I got a certain I got a better idea. Uh, we don't give any money to any of these people. And we say, bro, you came here, dude, you should if, if, if I'm hanging out in a blizzard and someone this is fascinating. I'm hanging out in a blizzard wearing my winter gear. And a guy shows up freezing, be like, oh, man, I sure am freezing. Can you give me your coat? I say, no, dude, I need my coat. Well, you know, I'm freezing to death. OK, OK, fair point. We will try to help these people. Right. And I'll say, maybe you should leave. You came here. You walked into this. You made that choice. It is not the responsibility of us to now give you housing. So I'll tell you what I'll do. I'm not going to give you my coat, but I will give you a ride to the bus station and you can leave. How about that? It's only getting worse, though. NYC council to roll over and accept Mayor Eric Adams budget cuts to the NYPD schools and more. That's right. In New York, they're cutting the budgets because they can't afford to both fund the police, the fire departments and illegal immigrants. I think these people are evil. I think they're evil. And and I, you know, you know, I want to stress this, too. I want to stress the point when I look at this picture and I see these trucks being driven. The biggest problem and the most evil. The construction workers. 100 percent. Don't know. Don't care. Sorry. Um, I accept no excuses. OK. You're given the choice. You're being handed blood money taken from the from the American taxpayer and the working class of Chicago who are in opposition to this. And you are and you are being told to build housing for non-citizens who don't contribute. And you say, sure, I got no problem. Yeah. You know, if you buy stolen goods, knowing it's stolen, you get in trouble for that. I don't understand why any of us should tolerate these working class guys selling out their neighbors. We need a society and culture that has scruples, honor, integrity. Let me tell you, as an aside. I was talking about this um, last week or yeah, about a week and a half ago, this viral video of a guy saying that given the opportunity, any married man would cheat if there were no consequences. And uh, that's the answer is absolutely no. It's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. All this guy is saying is that he's a scumbag. So he assumes everyone else must be as well. The question is not whether or not men want to sleep around and have a bunch of, you know, bang a bunch of women. Guys want to bang a bunch of women. I get it. The question is whether or not men have honor, integrity and loyalty. And the sad truth is many men do not. None. But I think most men do. I think most do. The challenge I see here is if it's a question of a man's family or his community, his society, his culture, he will sell out everyone else. He will sell them all out and condemn them to death to save his children. Part of that is respectable. I get it. But this means in the long run, we're doomed until people are willing to accept the responsibility to their neighbors and their community. We're screwed. Because it's what's going to happen. So long as there are men who are willing to accept blood money for jobs that involve the destruction of our society, they're not they're not actually helping their kids. They're looking at a short term gain and a long term loss. And I'll give you the greatest example, the founding fathers. The founding fathers 
who signed away their sacred honor, their blood, their treasure, and their children. That's a fact. The founding fathers knew that when they signed the Declaration of Independence, they were signing their own death warrants. They were declaring war on the crown. An act of sedition, treason. They were considered terrorists. In some instances, their children were captured, their children were killed, their homes were taken from them. It's amazing to me. The, fa- the country we live in, founded by men who had every reason to just bend the knee. They were rich. It wouldn't matter. Ah, the crown can do what they want. I'll keep my mouth shut, keep my property, live comfortably, and my kids will know sweet, delicious wine and when they're old enough. Instead, they said, I'm willing to risk everything I have, even the safety of my family, if it means we can bring forth a new nation that will treat its people properly, that will fear its population and not have a population that fears the government. These men are the antithesis of the founding fathers. They say, I don't care about you. I care about my kids today. The founding fathers said the opposite. They said, of course, I care about my family, but I care about the future generations of this great land, of this new nation, who will be subjects and slaves and have their rights stripped from them. The founding fathers said, enough. We won't do it. And they knew that they were risking the lives of their wives and their children. But it was for a long term gain. It was for you. You today watching this video, I want you to understand that that the founding father said, not only may I die, my children may die. But you watching right now, they thought about you. It's not just you. I saw this uh, video or on this news story, sorry, about how it was like a, a, an heir of ne- uh, uh, the descendant of Napoleon going head to head in some bid with an heir to someone who fought Napoleon. And they're like, look how amazing it is that these two heirs are now clashing in the financial markets. And I was like, yeah, that's really dumb. You know why? Like, it's cool. I get it. But how many descendants does Napoleon have? How many? How many? Right. Let's say you have two kids, just two kids. Let's say you have three kids, right? Because, you know, back in the day, they had more than that. So let's go back to the era of the founding fathers. How many kids do these people have? I mean, honestly, I should I should actually just look this up. Let's 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 look it up. How? Many kids did Thomas Jefferson have? And not all of them were official. Ten children. So I'll tell you what, what, what must be going through this man's mind. Ten kids. I wonder how many of them are legitimate. He's thinking, I got ten kids. And he may not have had all of those kids by, 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 around the time he signed the Declaration of Independence. Don't get me wrong. But he's got kids. And he's thinking, if I sign this, they could kill my children. They will take our homes. We will suffer. We will go hungry. All of our wealth, all of our access, all of our resources gone. The generational wealth given to me by my father is gone. But you know what he was thinking? I got three kids. Each of them has three kids. You got a lot of kids. You got a lot of grandkids. And each of them has three grandkids. You think in 50 years, the actions I take today will, will not just be for my, for my two children or my three children. It will be for all 100 of my great, great, great grandchildren, my descendants. And that's the difference. I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not saying everyone's perfect. I get it. My point, the men who are willing to do this work to sell you out, be it the police, be it the construction workers, they're the opposite of the founding fathers. They're saying, I'm going to sell out my neighbor 
for the sake of my my family. That's what Joe Biden's doing. Joe Biden is selling you out every day and giving his kid and his brother these these deals. That's the corruption. Only when good people say I will not accept blood money, no matter what, will we have some recovery. We need a nation of honor, loyalty and scruples. We need these construction workers to be like, dude, I'm not building this. My neighbors are going to lose it. I'll never be able to show my face again. But you know what I think it is? It's the loss of church. Not that I'm a Christian or anything like that. But when people used to go and gather every Sunday, they had to face down their neighbors. And if you were a guy who betrayed your community and you showed up for church, how could you show your face? You were shunned. You were ostracized. Today, these guys will sell you down the river because they don't live in your neighborhood. And they don't care about you. This is wild stuff, my friends. Wild, wild stuff. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 4 p.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out, and I'll see you all then. In New York, 2,500 officers have turned in their badges so far in 2023. And we are expected to see mass budget cuts coming in. Following up on the previous segment where we talked about mass migration, stripping resources from the people, this is what you will get. And I'll give you some examples. You already know what it's going to be like. We've already seen San Francisco. One of my favorite memes as a Star Trek The Next Generation fan is that Star Trek accurately predicted the Bay Area in the 2020s. And I don't know if it was if the year is correct, but it is part of Star Trek lore that it's mass homelessness and chaos and poverty, and it eventually leads to major war. There was a period where the police were all hopped up on drugs to get them to do, to, to do their jobs because of how you know, difficult it was, I suppose. But this is where we are. With the migrant crisis, the border crisis, New York cutting, uh, uh, cutting the budgets across the board, Chicago building migrant camps, this is what will be coming to you. They're cutting the police. The police are quitting. What do you think happens next? Now, I'm of the opinion that uh, we should not have cash bail. If you're accused of a crime and not convicted, we lock you up. There is a hearing to determine whether or not there's a preponderance of evidence that you may be a very serious threat. And I'm okay with that to a certain degree. I don't like the idea, though, that someone gets arrested and they say you got to pay money if you want to go back to your life. It's like you've not proven I've done anything wrong. So there's got to be a hearing. It used to be that way. And they get rid of that. But let me tell you. When I hear these stories, there's a story about a, a guy accused of murder. And I tweeted about this. He's accused of murder. And because of an evidence glitch, they had to release him. I say, good. If the government cannot prove you did something wrong, they should not be able to lock you up. But wait, you say, this guy may be a murderer. That's fine. I'm allowed to have a gun. Oh, apparently not in New York, though. This is, this is my compromise. You want no cash bail to all these Democrats and progressives? You know, let, let these criminals out? They're presumed innocent, I should say. Let these individuals out. I agree with that. The government should be able to lock people up and I can have a gun. And then when this guy who's a murderer is released and maybe going around and doing something, I can protect myself. It's my responsibility, not the state's. Here we are. This is the future coming to you. I'm not opposed to the police. I'm not a staunch uh, anarchist wanting to abolish all the police for the sake of, you know, police being bad. But I do believe that these these departments are corrupt and uh, uh, there's a lot of problems with them. The guys who run these departments are appointed by Democrats. These are people who don't care. They want stability. They don't care about justice. Not that I think the activists are correct either. But for the most part, I think police departments are good. I really do. 
I think it's good that in the event there's some kind of dispute, you can call what is supposed to be a neutral arbiter to just be like, stop, we're enforcing the law. I actually think it's a good thing. However, it needs to still be that the majority of the responsibility falls on you as an individual. New York's finest continues to bolt from the job at an alarming rate, according to new data obtained by the Post. A total of 2,516 NYPD cops have left so far this year, the fourth highest number in the past decade, and 43% more than the 1,750 who hightailed it in 2018, before the pandemic and crime spikes hit the city. NYPD pension data show. The number of cops quitting before they reach the 20 years required to receive their full pensions also skyrocketed from 509 in 2020 to 1,040. Wow. That's crazy. Quitting before they hit their full pensions. I mean, that's crazy. The years of departures and lack of replacements are now taking a toll, forcing the cops who remain in the job to work inhumane amounts of forced overtime, the Police Benevolent Association President Patrick Hendry said. And so they'll quit. There you go. What is this? You got these uh, these officers here. They got uh, what is this little confetti? The number of cops quitting is massive. Wow. The workload is a leading factor driving people away from the job. If the NYPD is going to survive these staffing reductions, it cannot just keep squeezing cops for more hours. It is a cascade failure. One by one, the job becomes more and more burdensome, burdensome, and people begin quitting. There's no money. They fire. They cut budgets. They make you work more. The pay is less. And then then you're gone. And then y'all are going to have a good time living in New York. I can't believe there are still people who live there. I mean, I think Ryan Long still lives there. He's going to be on the show later this week. It'll be fun. I'll talk to him about it. Here we go. Check this out. Incredibly, 21 cops walked away from the job earlier this year in just a two day period to join the MTA, police sources said. Even former NYPD commissioner Kachant Sewell stepped down in June amid a steady stream of New York's finest beating her to the punch. Good. This is the system that the people of New York want. Let them see exactly what it's going to be like. Ah, here you go. Here's Chicago. 30 shot in Chicago over Thanksgiving weekend. Numerous victims ended up in critical condition with one pronounced dead. Yeah, Chicago, a good example of what New York can be. And Chicago's got cops, but they're starting to deal with the same problems. What do you think it's going to be like in this place when you start pulling cops out? I'd like to say of all the places I've been, I hear rumors about some jurisdictions with really corrupt police departments in California, for instance. Chicago is one of the most corrupt cities I have ever experienced. Yo, it's it's nuts how corrupt Chicago is. Chicago cops what is it? They had that. Who is that guy? He was electrocuting people to force confessions. Chicago was caught operating black sites, they call them. Unmarked buildings where they would kidnap people and torture them. Uh-huh. They, uh, they'll take innocent people, lock them up without notifying anybody, without proper due process. That's crazy. Chicago's dirty. It's as dirty as it can be. It's been, it was run by the mob. It's run by the mob. And it's, it's sad, really. They just realized the mafia. They were like, why are we why are we running this parallel government? Let's just be the government. So that's the play, baby. You get in politics and you be the government. Ain't nobody going to oppose you. Chicago is a corrupt place, though. So if someone were to come to me and say that they were going to abolish the CPD, I'd laugh. I'd be like, fine, give me the right to keep in bare arms. Oh, wait, I have it. And if there's no police, there's no infringement on that right. Chicago's got problems. Don't get me wrong. 
and they need police for sure. But I will tell you this. I ain't given no sympathy to Chicago cops. Sorry, man. I have seen way too much abject corruption in Chicago. Sorry. I know there are a lot of good Chicago cops. It's a fact. And I've dealt with them. I just think you got a very, very, very dirty system. And it's going to be hard for even the good cops to try and find a way to navigate this. But without police, I couldn't imagine how, how bad it could really be. So Chicago for me is pretty tough. It's pretty tough. Take a look at this story. But I'll, we'll, we'll get into the corruption. I'll come back to it. Shocking moment woman is robbed by rifle wielding gang on busy Chicago street before suspects stick up three other people and cops refuse to follow them. You see, so if someone comes to me and says they want to abolish CPD, I'll be like, oh, oh no, make me, I'm not going to cry about it right now. The city of Chicago is building migrant camps with your money. And at the same time, the police ain't doing nothing about any of this stuff. So what is the purpose of the police in Chicago to jam up people who don't want to wear masks during a lockdown or something like this? Yo, this happened in Wicker Park and it was a young woman. I don't know if we have a this young woman is being robbed. And uh, let's see, they have a photo of the woman. Yeah. So here's the woman. Let's pull this up. And uh, she looks like a young woman wearing, you know, like a college sweater or something. I know the area north. I, I don't know exactly what the, the, the uh, um, where exactly this intersection is, but it's on North and Wicker Park, North Avenue. And it's a relatively nice gentrified area. And that's why they target it. This is what you get living in these cities. I don't know why you'd want to live there. That's up to you. The cops are corrupt. We know they're corrupt. They lie. They cheat. They steal. The NYPD does a lot of this, too. They're appointed by Democrats who just want their power maintained. NYPD moonlight is private security for the ultra wealthy. That's what they do. And then you, the working class person, get held up at rifle point in a city where you can't defend yourself. Have fun. Who would want to live in a place like this, dude? And I feel like it's intentional, to be honest, that they want people to leave. They want them to bail out of the cities and just go somewhere else. Because really, what's it's, it's inverse pressure. It's a negative pressure system. Criminals will hold you up at gunpoint. You can't defend yourself. Cops won't help you. The only thing a person can do is leave. But it's not about you. It's about attrition. It's about the pressure. If the pressure they create, if the, if the, pressure, if the pressure results in a 51% exodus, they're making the city smaller. And maybe that's what they want to happen. Only the most resilient people can tolerate this stuff. So the average person leaves. The population declines. I think that's intentional. I'd say that, that it makes the most sense, except for the fact that they're bringing in non-citizens. Well, that may have the same effect. They bring in non-citizens. They build camps for them. The regular working class people are beaten mercilessly. And so they leave. And what's left? These non-citizens live under the boot of the government. They're second class citizens. They don't have IDs. They can't vote. They, they have to work in secret. And you get a surf class. That's what I think the Democrats are working on building. This is the future for your cities, unless we start to turn these things around. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 6 p.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out, and I'll see you all then. Welcome to hell, my friends. It's just begun. And it's only just what we know about. From futurism.com, Sports Illustrated published articles by fake AI generated writers. We asked them about it and they deleted everything. The story is rather simple. We'll go through it. A fake AI generated person 
was uh, had a headshot. They, they, they create a fake headshot, create a fake account for this person with a fake bio, and then have AI create articles. I'll tell you why this is dystopian. First, your reality is becoming fake. The machine is regurgitating human thought back to humans, and it's going to absolutely destroy our ability to think. And this is going to be, man, I mean, look, on, its, on the surface, the idea that we live in a world where AI is generating articles and we don't realize we're looking at robots, you know, this only goes in one direction. The end result being the average person plugs into the meta, meta link neural device, and they go into a reality of AI generated people and stories, and it just feels better. And maybe you're in it right now. Maybe we live in a simulation. That's what they call it, but not really a simulation. Maybe we're already well past that point where as a civilization, we've created these AI generated realities where it's just more fun to be in. Maybe, maybe not. I think this should be illegal. I do. I think there should be a ban on uh, uh, AI generated media. It should be that humans must ultimately control the output and only a certain percentage can be AI generated. And it's possible. We got limitations on, you know, how much of some, uh, uh, like how much rat poop can be in your cereal, something like that. We have limits on how much uh, prescript, you, you know, a drug, uh, how much, uh, uh, how many milligrams of a drug can be prescribed, things like that. I'm going to read this story, but I just want to, I don't want to bury the lead. I want to make my point. If all of our media is being auto-generated by algorithms and AI, what we use to train the AI will become its own content. And we will then become slaves to a machine to generate information and media for us. That's why I think it should be restricted. Check this out. There was something in Drew Ortiz's author biography at Sports Illustrated to suggest there was, uh, I'm sorry, there's nothing to suggest that he was anything other than human. Drew has spent much of his life outdoors and is excited to guide you through his never ending list of the best products to keep you from fall, falling to the perils of nature. Nowadays, there is rarely a weekend that goes by where Drew isn't out camping, hiking, or just back on his parents' farm. Oh, man, is this creepy. The only problem, he doesn't exist. No social media presence. His, they say his, his uh, photo, it actually appears on a website of AI-generated human faces for sale. The funny thing is you don't even need to buy them. You can just click a button and generate them. Get a mid-journey subscription. Ortiz isn't the only AI-generated author published by Sports Illustrated, according to a person involved with the creation of the content who asked to be kept anonymous to protect them from professional repercussions. There's a lot. I was like, what are they? This is ridiculous. This person does not exist. At the bottom of the page, there would be a photo of a person and some fake description of them like, oh, John lives in Houston, Texas. He loves yard games and hanging out with his dog. Stuff like that. It's just crazy. Take a look at this. Here's another fake one. Tanaka didn't exist. And I think they have a uh, they have an image. What they're basically doing, I maybe passed it, is selling you products. So when this guy, oh, is it not in here anymore? Oh, OK, right. When you pull up the article, basically, this guy's like, do you need a volleyball? Here are some volleyballs I recommend. And they try to make it sound like a person because he's selling you a product. I think it should be illegal. They train AI by loading in articles humans have written, and then it analyzes all of them, and then it replicates it. Same thing for images. 
if we continue to train these these large language models or image generation models, we call it AI. So I'll be like, it's not really AI to be wrong. OK, I get it. Whatever. The point is, if we continue to train them today, but the images that are appearing are all generated by AI, it is, man, it's a, it's a copy of a copy of a copy. You are getting into some wild territory where things will stop making sense. Here's the crazy reality. The attempts at producing artificial general intelligence, they want an AI to function like a human being. The problem is it will have access not just to the summation of human knowledge, but the calculatory capabilities to go beyond. Here's your future. We are building AI. Right now, we have large language models like ChatGPT and Grok, and they appear to be uh, uh, capable of communication. But it's really just a predictive model. It is taking one word and then trying to determine what the most most likely next word will be. Grok is substantially better than ChatGPT, and uh, because it's honest, people don't like that. Oops, ChatGPT is controlled, garbled nonsense. You can't even get a real answer out of it because it's so scared of being politically incorrect. It's annoying. I'm not allowed to answer that because oh, shut up. But they believe the people who are working on this that this is the fastest path towards. Artificial general intelligence, the moment. And, a, and, and I'll tell you this, they can already program themselves. They can already code themselves. This is how crazy it is. The moment we get a true AI, we pass that point of singularity, we will have created a god. Now, little g, not big g. We will have created something that is several orders of magnitude more powerful than our minds. And we'll just know everything. It'll know everything. Now, there's some good. Let's talk about the good. Let's say we want to cure a disease. Once the, the AI machine, the network, has access to all medical data of all humans, combined with chemical reactions and all the, all the knowledge that we have, it will still require some research and data collection. But for the most part, you'll be able to go to the Oracle device and say, here is the patient's uh, uh, medical history, provide for them the cure. And the computer will be able to instantly generate cures for any disease. It will be able to instantly generate uh, new technologies. You'll say, how do we teleport matter? And it will instantly build the schematic. Why? It's like a Sudoku puzzle. When a human is given a Sudoku puzzle, I love the blank ones. It's like, just make it, I guess. I don't know. But um, there are very difficult Sudoku puzzles where, uh, you know, you guys know Sudoku, right? There is a, 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 it's, it's, how many blocks is it? You've got three by three, and then you've got uh, three by three by three, I think it is. So it's three blocks by three blocks with three blocks by three blocks inside. And the goal is to write the numbers one through nine in every line, as well as in every box. Sudoku is so much fun. I love that puzzle game. It's great. Well, what happens is, this is basic logic. You look at a box, there's one, there's one space left, and the number eight has not appeared in that box. You know for a fact it's the eight, no question. Then you get another box. There are two numbers missing, six and five. And you say, well, I don't know which one's six or five. Aha, but on the line, there's already a six. Therefore, that one must be five. Hmm. Scale that up to mass AI levels. And you're going to say, here's the data we've collected so far on this machine. Here's what we know about quantum physics. The AI is then going to take everything it knows about particle A, B, C, D, E, F, G, the speeds by which they've collided, 
there's going to be a bunch of holes missing. But the computer is going to be able to say, probabilistically, it's most likely these things. It won't know for sure. It won't be able to do the test itself. But then we'll say, okay, we'll do the test and say, turns out it was five. And the AI will add that to its database and keep going. The rate by which the machines will be able to then build autonomous devices that can run the experiments for themselves. Oh, boy, it's going to get crazy. The first step in the singularity is we already have robotics. We already have batteries and data and scientific data on energy density. The AI will be able to instantly give us a schematic for solid state batteries that can allow us to operate these Boston Dynamics robots super easily and build better ones. Then we will. Then we will simply say, do the research and we'll let the machine do what it wants. You'll come to it one day and say, I'd like to fly. I want a, here's a schematic for a device that you can wear that will allow you to fly. It will find the secrets of anti-gravity. It could even tell you whether or not time travel is possible. It will be able to accurately predict everything. So here's what could happen. Let's say you're wearing uh, glasses with a camera that are wirelessly connected to the AI. You can watch a guy at a roulette table, you know where they spin the ball? And when he spins the ball, the ball will start spinning. And then within seconds, you'll see the calculations. It'll tell you the likely numbers. It'll be, it'll say the most likely numbers are going to be this. While it's spinning, you then go one, two, three, four, five with your $10 or five, your $5 chip. And you're going to hit. Don't believe me. It used to be possible. This is, this is, this is true. So back in the day, early roulette tables, some, the, 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 uh, what do they call them? Crapiers? I believe that might be craps. Um, but the the roulette dealer would spin the ball and people watching would start to they would they would so that the people spinning the ball would typically spin it the same way from the same spot every time. And so what they would do is they would see where the ball was spun from. OK, right when he put his hand in there, 14 passed by, he spun it. Then it landed on 26 and they say, OK, so here's the range. People accurately started predicting the numbers it would land on because what they would do is they would bet in a window. So on a roulette wheel, you have the the numbers are all spread out, right? They're all like, they're not in order, but you could go something like uh, zero, seven, 26, 11. I don't know the exact numbers, but these are like a basic window. So it's a portion of the wheel. The person would spin from around the same spot every time. And you knew whatever the number was on, it was plus 12 and then uh, a range of five. I'm not, this is, this is, it's, it's crazy, but this is what they do. Still possible to this day. Don't get me wrong. It's just a lot harder. I'll tell you why. So a human being would just be like, every time he spins the ball, the average amount of force that he's, he's applying because he has the same technique every time results in the ball going around 16 times before landing in a window, which is typically uh, 67% of the time uh, within this range. So they would bet that range. The person would spin. Then they would, because after the person spins the ball, you are then allowed to still make bets until they finally say no more bets. So he puts the ball in, he whips it around, and he put his hand, the zero passed by, and then you go, okay, plus 14. So now he's at double, he's at double zero to, uh, you know, insert number. I'll bet all of those in that window. Boom, you hit. You keep hitting. Your odds of winning are really high. What they did was, they added bumps and grooves to the roulette wheel to disrupt the ability to calculate. For, this is crazy. It's a crazy story, a true story. And uh, there was even these, these crazy stories where the casino once went to one of the dealers and said, stop the way you're spinning, change it up. And he went, no. They were like, put your hand in a different spot 
because people were tracking and predicting this. Not perfectly, but with enough edge to actually win bigly. So now there's weird bumps that they're like they're left in there and they go they go up and they go left and right and up and down. That way it increases randomness. Same thing is true for craps. You can actually learn to skill shot craps dice to land on the numbers you want. I'm not exaggerating. What did they do? They said the dies, the dice have to hit the back wall and they added bumps to increase the random, uh, the, increase the randomness. An AI is going to be able to see the dice thrown in midair and tell you what it'll land on. Not perfectly. It'll give you probabilities because it's, but I think it's even possible that with the AI capabilities, it could get to 100% and tell you exactly what the number is going to be. Calculating speed and everything perfectly. It knows where everything's going to be. That's crazy. Because when that happens, they can predict everything. Where you're going. Facebook already knows when you're going to poop. You think it's funny, but it's true. We are getting to that point. AI will know everything about you. You'll say, why am I sad? You are sad because you need to eat salt. Like, what? That's it? Like, you're low in iron. So it's causing a depression. Vitamin C. Or it's like, you need, you will be told, told what to do. And you'll be given your best course of action. And then your fate, your life is just determined because there is a best course of action. Let me tell you, my friends, I love poker. Fun game. And I know there is a right way to play poker. There really is. It's called Game Theory Optimal. And a lot of people who are really into it and want to win tournaments and stuff are studying their charts on how do you play this hand in this position and do this and do that. Because it's, it's, it's a relatively, I, th- I, think, I think it's a solved game. Texas Hold'em. But the issue is the human element. That's what I like in the game. I don't want to, you know, when I go to the poker tables, there's, there's basic rules where it's like, so I, I know, I, I basically know my, my opening hand ranges. This means where you are at the table in relation to what's called the button. You're not going to know a lot about poker. Just, just, you know, hear me out. You'll be given two cards and you'll look at them. And let's say you have ace king of spades. That's one of the best possible hands you can have. You can, you can make a bet. You can raise. You have a really good hand. Let's say you get 7-2, spade, and heart. That's the worst hand. You're just going to fold that one. That's how the book tells you to play because computers have solved for it. So no matter where you are, no matter what cards you get, there is a computer model telling you how to play and how to play perfectly. And that's so lame. So what I like to do is I like to make weird bets and play weird hands. Meaning, yes, often I'm in a weird losing position, but I love it when the other players are like, I have no idea what he's doing. That's the point, point, man. We're people. We do human things that don't often make sense for the same reason you might want them to make sense. If you're playing and you're playing a computer model by the book, congratulations. How boring is that? You may as well just have a program play for you. Me. I like to look the guy in the eyes as he looks down at his hand and he's all confused and he doesn't know what to do. And then he looks at me and he's like, does he got aces? Does he have threes? What's he doing? And so sometimes I make weird calls and when I win, they get so angry. But that's the point of the game. It's fun. And you have low odds. I've, I, 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 you know, I've made calls with like a 5% chance to win. And then I hit it and they're like, what? How did you? How about? And I'm like, it's for your expression right now. Because the likelihood is I was going to lose the bet. But I really, really wanted the situation where I hit it. You see what I'm saying? Like, maybe you go there just to play the game because you want to win the money. My point is sometimes it's not the money I want to win. It's I want that five of hearts to come so I get that straight flush, a one outer. 
Why would you make that bet? You know, so a guy bets 10 bucks, then I call and they're like, you called with that? I'm like, yes, because it's not about winning the 10 bucks. It's about hitting that rare opportunity, that rare probability. My point is this, man, the AI world is going to suck. You're going to have people floating around with brain devices that tell them how to live. And it's not going to be an issue of they're forcing you to do it. It's going to be my life is perfect when I follow the instructions of the machine. Yeah, man, I guess. But is that really how anyone's going to want to live? I think so. You'll be born into it. and You won't know any other way to live. The machine shall provide. But it'll be sure wild if the machine ever goes down. I don't think it will. We're passing that point of singularity. The machine will just run itself. It will maintain itself. It will build what it needs. And you will just do whatever it tells you to do because that's the perfect path to do. You know, let's say you uh, stubbed your toe. What if you had a device that would tell you, you know, lift your right leg now? And you did. And you didn't stub your toe. You sure wish you didn't stub your toe. What if you're a pro athlete and you're making a play and you tear your ACL? Could be career ending. Let's say you're wearing your neural device and it says, sit this play out. You go, okay. And then you don't tear your ACL because it knew that there was a 73% probability of injury based on the play and your position. And it calculated, it says injury rate, extremely high, sit out. And so they swap someone else in and avoid injuries. Imagine avoiding car accidents. The AI will drive your car for you. There is going to be a perfect way to do everything. And the scary thing is when tragedy happens, because tragedy will be inevitable, people will just accept it because the machine told them that's what it was. That's how, how scary things are going to be. I do think it'll be cool where you can go to a machine and say, can you can you create a, a, a schematic for a high functioning jetpack? And then using all of the knowledge of human uh, uh, humans have gathered so far, the AI will like a Sudoku puzzle, complete it and say, here is a small, lightweight device that can allow an individual to fly with ease using, you know, jet propulsion or maybe even discovering the properties of anti-gravity and then figuring out a way to create a suit you can wear so you can fly like Iron Man. I believe anything's possible. I believe all we have to do is figure out how to manipulate energy better. And the more we do it, the better and, and, and crazier things become. AI is going to be able to maximize resolutions, Neuralink properly. It's going to brute force the, the science needed to accurately plug a brain into a computer. Right now, you've got all these trials with animals. They lay these thick copper wires on you know, neurons or whatever and send signals and try to send and receive. And it's very difficult. We've done a little bit so far. They've now begun the process of uh, human trials in Neuralink to help cure the blind, uh, cure people who are paralyzed. It's very difficult to figure out how to read and write to a human brain, though. An AI system will be able to brute force that and solve for that problem by trying every possible iteration as fast as it can until it figures it out. And then there will be the configuration phase. You'll get your Neuralink. You'll plug it in. In fact, they could probably do it wirelessly. You'll get your Neuralink, you'll attach it to your node on your neck. The computer will then say analyzing because every human brain is unique and not programmed the exact same way like a computer is. It will say brute forcing, configuring. It will then analyze your brain and figure out exactly how to read and write to your brain and where everything is stored to properly install memories, install abilities, give you knowledge or experiences. The crazy thing is, 
It can probably even begin to reprogram your body to change what your body is. It could AI could create formulas and probably create viruses that will alter your DNA and cause you to become something else. Make you weird chimeric. Who knows? The possibilities are endless. It's going to be wild, man. In the meantime, my position is simply this. We should not allow AI to make content because it will rot our brains. We will be fed copies of copies of copies. No more original thought. No more new development. The machine doing it all for you. The idea of AI music. Just go live in your fake virtual world now if that's what you want. I'll leave it there. Next segment is coming up tonight at 8 p.m. over at YouTube.com slash IRL. Thanks for hanging out, and I'll see you all then. Yes, it's patriarchy. That's right. The reason we believe that men are better hunters than women is because of patriarchy. Men took the seats of power and then lied to women and tricked them into thinking they were not great athletes and endurance runners. That's the only explanation. Because according to the Daily Mail, debunking the myth of the male hunter, prehistoric women were better at hunting than men, study claims. Women have long been seen as child rearers, while men are seen as hunters. Study claims prehistoric women practiced hunting and were better than men. Hmm. Well, that proves it. It's a study. You see, I got to tell you, I think this is how you get politics and science. And then the people who are like, I believe the science. It's like, well, you're believing uh, proselytizing from woke cultists who are injecting their worldviews into quote unquote science to interpret it the way they want and then tell you what they think is true and have you believe it. Here's the reality. Uh, I hate to say it. Men are better hunters than women. The study is stupid. Um, and I am I am a qualified scientist who can make this claim. That's right, because apparently if these people are claiming to be scientists, then certainly we all are. The argument they're making is that women are better endurance runners than men. And uh, they say, you have to look at it like women are marathon runners and men are power lifters. Therefore, women were better. It's not true. I don't know. I don't know what they're trying to get at, but maybe back then or something, men didn't want to go running. But uh, my understanding, because I watched I I watched that um, when I watched a video about this uh, Native American tribe where they run like hundreds of miles, like just full sprint and stuff like that. But uh, let's read this. Let's read this. They say, if you envisage a prehistoric hunter, the vision of a caveman might spring to mind. But a new study claims that these cavemen paled in comparison to their female counterparts. Oh, wow. While women have long been seen as child rearers and gatherers and men as hunters, researchers from the University of Notre Dame have debunked this theory. No, they didn't. They've made a claim. The study found that not only did prehistoric men engage in the practice of hunting, they probably did, but their female anatomy and biology would have made them intrinsically better suited for it. I completely disagree with that. That is a political statement. I do believe it's fair to say that women hunted. Uh, Sure, women hunt today. And it's probably 80-20. Go to any, any hobby event. Bro, I'm sorry, man. Go to the skate park. 90% males. Good luck if there's a single female there. Go to uh, a a comic shop, a card shop. Go to the poker tables. It's the same. Yes, there are some women there. It's overwhelmingly dudes doing all of these things. I don't know what it is that women are doing. I don't hang out in spaces where there tend to be large groups of women. Perhaps they're shopping or something. The argument is that shopping is akin to gathering. And the reason why men want to score objectives is that it's akin to hunting. I believe it makes infinitely more sense that as women were gathering and men were hunting, this is why you have the trope of women shopping, because they're effectively going out and finding things to bring back to the family that the family needs. I think it's admirable. I don't see anything negative about it. 
And I think it's silly that people are offended at the notion that women like to shop. They, it's, it, this is a funny thing to me. Guys go work. They slay the boar. They bring the meat back. They give the family food. Women go out and collect things that are useful to the family. So if you look at this in like a 1950 sense of the wife shopping and the man working, you, well, yeah, is the man going to go shopping for things the family needs when he's at work? No, the guy's at work handling the new account for, you know, the TPS reports or whatever. Then he comes home, he makes money, and the wife says, I'm going to go to the store to pick up the groceries we need for food so we can have dinner. I think it's completely admirable. This, this trope's like, huh, women like shopping. Well, women took it personally, got offended by it, when in reality, it's like, dude, I hate going shopping. I love it when there's just food. Like, you pick up the food, and then, you know, I'll tell you the things that I like, and I, I appreciate it. But, you know, I don't mind going to the grocery store with my girlfriend, stuff like that. But we're, we're, we're getting winter clothes, and I'm like, just grab me whatever. You know what I mean? Like, I'll try it on and, you know, grab me whatever you think works. I, I appreciate that. Look at this. They say, rather than viewing it as a way of erasing or rewriting history, our studies are trying to correct the history that erased women from it. Yes, that's right. Uh, here you go. <laughs> they just, what is this? Shutterstock, a woman with a spear hunting. Okay. So here's what they show, right? The female, the suite of features below confer an endurance activity advantage. I'm going to completely debunk this very, very, very easily. This is hilarious. Better psychological pacing, greater fatigue resistance through central and peripheral neuromuscular mechanisms, better insulin sensitivity can increase fatty acid oxidization and spare protein, increase fatty acid oxidization through mechanisms involving estrogen and ad adiponectin. Estrogen impacts multiple aspects of athletic performance, increased fatty acid oxidation, blah, 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 decreased glycogen utilization, increased insulin sensitivity. I, I got to pause there and just, okay, I'm not, I'm not going to absolutely debunk it. I'm going to counter it with an argument. But I do want to point out my immediate assumption on glycogen utilization is that that's a bad thing. You want glycogen utilization. Okay, so uh, uh, not a, bi a, a biological scientist or a nutritionist or any of this stuff. My understanding is when you eat food, when you eat carbohydrates, it converts into uh, uh, glycogen strings, which are stored, I believe, in the liver and then burned. It's not fat. It's the sh it's like the sugar energy your body uses right away. Fat is then burned in a smaller percentage so that there's, there's, a, there's, a, there's a balance. If you're doing keto, you're basically burning nothing but fat. So your body burns its body fat quite a bit quickly. And the reason why they argue against keto is because you do want to have body fat and your body burns the sugars first. Long story short, if you're going to be doing a long distance run, you don't want you, you want to be burning your glycogen as well. I guess the argument is because women are burning fat when they run, they're able to run longer because of a slow energy burn compared to burning off all your glycogen. Ultimately, I think it makes very little sense. If you deplete either energy source, then you're tired and you're not going to be able to run. So whether it's glycogen now and fat later or fat now and glycogen later, either way, you have the same amount of energy stores. But here's where they show men. Look at this, so much less. Larger heart and lungs, greater absolute muscle mass, more type 2 muscle fibers, increased glycogen utilization, testosterone increases muscle growth, greater number of red blood cells, which increases oxygen carrying capacity. So they say, when you look at human physiology, this way you can think of women as the marathon runners versus men as the power lifters. Well, I've got to simplify things for you, my friends. I'm just going to do this. Here's an article from runtothefinish.com. Are men faster than women? Gender difference in running. Okay. What do you think? Do you think men, uh, do you think women are the marathon runners or men are the marathon runners? I know what you're already saying, but Tim, 
men have better marathon times. That's correct. More men run longer distance uh, running event than women. That is also correct. Men run longer distance. Yes, I, I get it. So the next argument like women would actually be better hunters. Uh, dude, come on, man. Look, I think women should be in sports. I think women should play sports. I think women are extremely capable. I think it's entirely possible that there are some women who are going to be large, strong, and can crush the average male at any one of these events. The saying goes that the, a determined woman is stronger than the average man, but a determined man is stronger than a determined woman. That is not to insult women. Men can't create life. They can contribute to the process, and then women literally create the babies. That is not something to take lightly. But as we're getting into this era where people have disdain for humans and want there to be less, it does diminish women. Here we go. Male versus female running times. When Tina considers the difference between men and women, she recalls the many occasions in college where she destroyed some of the guys on the team in every workout. Yet somehow they would run 15:30 5K and she would run 16:10. How is it fair? What are the few major differences? Blah, blah, blah. Unfortunately, women, women are at a disadvantage from the start due to a few biological factors, but there are also some potential advantages to being female that you may not have considered. And I believe this is absolutely true. They say, let's look at some of the top running times to first understand why there's an assumption that men are faster. Currently, that's because at common distances, they hold faster times. It's likely due to a combination of biology and more time of men being able to compete in the sport. We see with each passing year that these numbers are being lowered by both genders. I do think there is probably going to be a valley or inflection point where we actually see women improve over men. Why? Because men and women are different. And there are there's always advantages and always disadvantages. Marathon time. Men have a nearly 18 minute lead. Half marathon. Men have like a five minute lead. 10K. Men have a three minute lead. 5K. It put 8,200. I don't know the math times. At a mile. Men have a uh, uh, near 30 second advantage. Marathon's crazy because they, they don't they, I don't think they're doing this probably uh, uh, a mile distance. I don't I believe they're doing minute here and the marathon they're doing by hours, two hours, one minute, 39 seconds. So across the board, men are just beating women. This isn't opposed to pit men versus women and find a winner. Instead, we're looking for physiological differences that might help us understand why ladies can train for months and our male friends can come join us with without a single training run and keeping up. Heart size. Hormones. Here they say hormones are, 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 are a neg negative. Men can carry more oxygen. How are they even trying to make an argument that women were better hunters? This is the point. OK, they're trying to make a political statement in the body fat section. They say women are predisposed to hold more body fat. So uh, the average marathon time for males is 422 and the average marathon time for women is 447. Oh, OK, there you go. I, I don't know what the other chart was. Due to body fat? No. But again, part of the things that they say it's extra weight on the body means the female has to work much harder. But hold on. The other one said that decreased glycogen and increased fat burning was good for women and made them better at hunting. You see, this is the political nature of modern science. Sorry, dude. I'm not trying to rag on women. Women can create human life. Males cannot. Males contribute biological matter to the creation of human life. But literally without women, there's no more humans. So I'm not surprised women aren't going to be running as far or as fast or hunting bears. Political nonsense. Political nonsense. I'll leave it there. Next segment is coming up at 4 p.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out, and I'll see you all then.